chapter 13 real quick. Matthew chapter 13, you know, we, we talk about it a lot on Wednesdays, and, um, you know, I, I think it's a, a great point to make uh, because I want you to know that I understand the sacrifices that are made, the investment that is made to be here uh, on a Wednesday night. Um, I was talking with someone not too long ago, and, uh, you know, a, a lot right now in, in churches, they're, they're starting to do less and less. And, and I know churches right now that, you know, for whatever reasons, I, I'm not here to pick and, 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 and pick at what other churches are doing. That, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to do what God's called us to do, period. Um, but, uh, you know, on Wednesday nights, it, it's becoming more of a culture thing and more of a comfortability thing that, you know, people need their time at home and need their time with their families. And, and we totally understand that. We don't just try to keep people busy for the heck of it. Uh, everything we do has got a rhyme and reason to it. It's got a point to it. And when you're here on a Wednesday night, uh, I know that there's been more sacrifice made necessarily than uh, what's gone into a Sunday morning. You know, that's your weekend. And, um, you know, Sunday mornings, you're waking up probably earlier than you would otherwise and, uh, you know, getting dressed and, uh, you know, taking those opportunities. But on Wednesday nights, we got a lot going on. You know, we got people that are working jobs. We got uh, kids in school. We got to get ready for the next day. And um, so I just want to kind of show you here in Matthew chapter 13, uh, starting with verse 3, what you're doing. Because you got to know why you're here. You got to know what you're coming to do. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, uh, Jesus is speaking. It says, Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, in Psalm 30, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now look at what happens in verse 10. And the disciples came to him and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Now I want to point, I want to point something out here because Jesus, when he was originally speaking, wasn't just speaking to 12 men who we know those were Jesus' disciples. Those were the 12 disciples that he went handpicked and said, hey, come follow me. They don't even know who he is. They get up, they leave everything at home, and they leave uh, everything they know and go and follow Jesus. Now he's turning around to 12 men, and they ask him, why do you speak to them in parables? And watch what happens in the next verse. Verse 11, he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. He immediately divides the two crowds. He immediately says, there's an us, there's a you, the 12 disciples, and there's a them. Well, what was the difference? Well, we know the 12 disciples, as I just stated, gave up everything to follow Jesus left everything. They left their parents. They left their homes. Uh, they left their families. They left careers. They left jobs. They left comfortability. They left towns. They left families. They left everything behind to get up and follow this man. What'd they do? They made a 
sacrifice. And he's identifying here that you have made a sacrifice that shows that you are worth receiving what I'm about to give you. Now, how did that how did that differentiate them? Well, Jesus had this problem where people would just follow him just to see things. In fact, one of the things he ran into, one of the problems he ran into later on in his ministry is that people just came up and wanted to see a sign and a wonder. They didn't even want to hear his words anymore. Well, why don't you do that miracle? Why don't you turn this water into something and stop this storm and raise this guy to, uh, you know, from death to life and do all these different miracles? And they didn't even want to hear his words. And by the way, we're talking about words on Wednesday nights right now. And Jesus knew the most valuable thing that I have to give you isn't a sign, isn't a wonder, isn't healing somebody, isn't doing a miracle, isn't casting out a demon. The most powerful thing I can give you is in my words. And if you will value my words the way I value my words, then you'll receive something. And so he points out that you 12, you 12 men, you have sacrificed, you have given something up. Now I want to tell you something. Because you're here on a Wednesday night. There's plenty of other things that you could be doing tonight. I know that. And so I want to tell you something. Where a great investment is made, a great reward comes in return. Where you make a great investment in your life. What have you done tonight by coming out on a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock to hear the Word of God preached? When you could do... You, you, you could wait till next Sunday. Hey, we've got, we're going to be here Sunday. We, we're preaching a powerful series right now on relationships, and you can wait until then. But we offer this on Wednesdays. You know, I, I don't know how some people make it through the week. i got to have church in the middle of the week, man. I, I don't know how. i got to have it. i got to be here on Wednesday nights. And so uh, I want you to understand that where you are making a great investment, where there's a great sacrifice being made, Jesus is identifying with the disciples, you are here to receive something. So when you come on these Wednesday nights, you need to come with an expectation. It doesn't need to be any less valuable than what we do on a Sunday. Sure, on Sundays we have larger crowds. We hype it up a little bit more. Uh, You know, it's a little bit of a a different energy in the place. But I'm going to tell you what, there's the same thing that is, there's something that's the same in Sundays and Wednesdays, and it's the word that we're ministering. And it's just as powerful on a Sunday morning with 75 people in here as it is on a Wednesday night with maybe a third of the crowd. See, we're the ones that change the expectation. We're the ones that change the value of something. God doesn't change the value. If if there were two people in here, there was one time uh, last year that we had two people. We literally had two people sitting in, in these chairs on a Wednesday night. And you know what? I preached as if there was a thousand people in here. I don't care. The word is that valuable to me. And when you value it that way, it won't matter who's sitting to your left, to your right. It won't, it won't matter what day of, of night it is. It won't matter what day of the week it is. It won't matter what you've been doing all day or what you've got coming up here tomorrow. When you value the word that is being ministered at the same level, no matter what, you will receive something. I can promise you that. So, Father, I thank you tonight for this group that we have with us. I thank you, Father, that they have come with an expectation. They have prepared 
hearts, they've prepared their minds to receive the word of God, the word that contains all life, the word that contains all power, every resource that we need in our lives, no matter what we're going through, no matter what's happening, no matter what we need, your word contains that power. So tonight, Father, for the next 30, 45 minutes, however long we go tonight, Father, I thank you that we give full attention to your word and it will produce a great result because we have made a great investment tonight. We thank you for that. We will not walk away the same way we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we've been talking about words. We've been in a series called Watch Your Mouth. And tonight I want to talk about being in agreement. And just to give a quick recap, uh, this series has been powerful because it has to do with something that we deal with every single day, and that is our mouths. That is what's coming out of our mouth. And whether we realize it or not, uh, we are developing an expectation for what's going to happen tomorrow by what we're saying today. And we said this, that our words create the soundtrack for our life. What do I mean by that? In anything in life, before you see it, you hear it. You can go outside and you will hear the airplane before you see it in the sky. You will hear the train before you see it come across on the train tracks. You know what's coming based upon what you hear. And so there's an expectation developed because of what you're hearing. We use this example in a movie. You can go watch a movie and you can have a scene and based upon the music or based upon the soundtrack that is being played in the background, it changes what, you, what you're seeing. And you can change the music or change the background sound and change your expectation without changing anything that's going on in the scene room. You can have a girl, you know, she's walking down the street, and, you know, looks like, you know, you got some nice, uh, you know, Peppy music going on in the background, you know, something that's exciting, something that's uplifting. Girls walking down the street on the sidewalk, passing through some stores in the middle of town. And, uh, you know, you, you don't have any thought of something coming to attack her or take her out. You know, you're not expecting her to get hurt or somebody to try to hurt her. She could be going to grandma's house, going to a party, going, going to a friend's house, whatever. That's your expectation. But you instantly change the music. Same girl, same dress, uh, same side of town, same sidewalk, same picture, but the music becomes eerie and the music becomes, uh, you know, uh, down and uh, something that maybe uh, is kind of depicting that something horrible is about to happen. And now all of a sudden your expectation changes. We didn't change anything in the scene. And what we don't realize is our words are the soundtrack to our life. Our words develop an expectation about what's going to come. So what I want us to help develop and help create is a life where we are constantly watching what's coming out of our mouths. If we could have a recorder on our mouth all day long for one day, just one day, And hear the words that come out of our mouth. We would just be in awe. And then we would realize why we're seeing some of the stuff that we're seeing. Look, I can can strip away the Bible. I can strip away the, the Christian side of it and the God side of it. Just in general, if you talk happy, you'll feel happy. 
Just in, just in general, man. If you're saying, you know what, today's going to be a good day. I'm going to have an awesome day. No matter what happens to me today, no matter who I come into contact with at work, no matter who cuts me off on the way, uh, you know, no matter what time I get out of there, you know, I'm just going to be happy. I'm just going to have a good, you're going to have a better day than most. Most that are saying, I can't believe I got to go to this job again. I can't believe I got to work for that person. They're never going to change. This traffic's always horrible. I always get stopped at this light. No matter which way I go, I always find a train. Those things come out of our mouths, and then we're, we're, we're at all that we just hit another train. You called it. You said you were going to hit a train. So you hit the train, and you're 10 minutes late. And that boss that already hates you now even has more reason to hate you. <laughs> Come on, I'm speaking real now. I'm speaking real life right now. Because of our words. But when you make the determination, you know what, I don't care what happens today. Well, man, you just, you just created a, a, a soundtrack for your life. And what that soundtrack does is it changes your expectations. We haven't realized it, but the things that have been happening in our lives, we've actually been expecting because we've been talking like it's going to happen. Now, how do we get these words to come out of our mouth? Well, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's he saying? Jesus is saying what you put in determines what comes out. Put in what? Your heart. What's your heart? Not this thing that's pumping blood 24-7. Your heart is your spirit, man. And what we don't realize is we are always constantly feeding our spirit, man. Whether you realize it, you can't shut it off and say, you know what, I'm not going to feed my spirit, man, right now. I'm just going to watch this movie. I'm not going to feed it. No, you're feeding it. You're feeding it. And sometimes we don't realize we're getting around things that are feeding our spirit, man, negatively. And so now we are speaking negatively. But the same goes the other way. If we can feed our, man, our spirit man positively, we will find ourselves speaking positively. Now here's what happens. Because your words don't ever just go out into space and disappear and don't do anything. Your words are the most creative thing that you have to your access. So when you're speaking positively, you're creating a positive expectation. You're creating something to happen in the seen realm, in our everyday. But when you speak negatively, then you're creating that negative experience, that negative expectation, and now we're just causing things to happen by our own words. So if we follow the, cha- the, the, the proper chain, if you plant positive, you'll speak positive, you'll make positive. If you plant negative, you'll speak negative, and you'll create negative. This is what we've been looking at for the past two weeks now. We've got to get this chain down. Now, we looked at last week that God has already said something about us. And what we talked about last week was being in danger of talking ourselves out of something that is already ours. And we don't realize this, but when you disagree with God's word, you're actually talking yourself out of something that is already in your possession. 
We looked at the Israelites when they came out of the land of Egypt. God had already promised the Israelites a promised land, promised, E-D, past tense, already yours. Promised this to these men, this generation that was being enslaved by the Egyptians thousands of years before they ever even came into existence on the planet to a man named Abraham. He spoke to Abraham and said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, and I'm going to send you to this land, Canaan, and this is where your descendants are going to live and your generations are going to grow. This is the land that I've already given you. Well, God finally gets to the point where he's able to send them into the land that he's promised them. And guess what they did? They talked themselves out of it. They go, they look at it, they see it. Twelve men come back. Ten of them say, we can't do it. What do you mean we can't do it? God already said we could do it. But see, we do this in our own lives. God says we're healed and we say, man, I I just can't beat this thing. I guess I'm just going to have to deal with this sickness for the rest of my life. We say these things. And we talk ourselves out of the very thing. God has already promised us blessings, spiritual blessings in heavenly places, financial prosperity, having more than enough. He's already met and exceeded uh, our needs by his riches, not even our riches. And then we see something happen to our bank account. We say, man, I'm just never going to have enough. I'm never going to be able to pay this thing off. I'm never going to be able to get that. What are we doing? We're talking ourselves out of what God has already promised us. What essentially we end up doing is disagreeing with what he's already said. And so I want to talk to you tonight about the power of, of agreement. So look at Mark chapter 11. This was a verse, a, a, a passage that I learned at a very young age. I was probably six years old when I learned these verses. And I've tried my best to live by them my entire life. Because what is contained in these next three verses will absolutely change your life if you get a hold of it. Verse 22 Mark chapter 11, verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Now this is properly translated, have the God kind of faith. Have faith like God has faith. I know that sounds kind of weird that God has to be a person of faith, but he is a person of faith. And he has faith in his own word that when it goes out, it will perform the thing that he sends it out to do. We'll actually see that later on. In this message. So have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Why? Verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Amen. This is God. This is Jesus speaking. He's speaking to his disciples. He's talking about having the God kind of faith. Now, how is your faith identified? Your faith is identified by what you're saying. He's saying here that faith is revealed in your words. Your level of faith is, is revealed in what you're speaking, in what you're saying. Have the God kind of faith. 
That means have faith like God has. Now, let me just go ahead and show you something. When he says have the God kind of faith, Jesus would never tell you to do something you couldn't do. Just go ahead and throw that out there. So when he says have the God kind of faith, that means it is possible for us to have faith like God. So one, you got to know it's possible to have faith on that level. Two, he's identifying that faith is revealed in your words. It's made evident by what you're saying. Now, he says here that whatever you say, you can have. Now, we've seen uh, people go off in the ditch on this on both sides. But we're a church that likes to stay in the middle of the road. I like to bring clarity. I like to bring understanding because uh, there are some things that we have to understand for, to get, for this to work because it isn't as easy as just saying something and having it. Here's the key. You have to say what God says. You have to say what God says and what God is saying. We have to be in agreement. Let me, tell me, let me tell you something. When you are speaking God's word, he has already spoken something about your life. Maybe healing, maybe finances, maybe depression, maybe confusion, maybe favor. God has already spoken a word concerning these things about you, and they're in his word. God is not obligated to move on your behalf if you're not speaking his word. But watch this. When you speak God's word, you obligate God to move on your behalf. We've already seen in the, in the past couple, past couple uh, nights that we've been looking at this past couple weeks that God values his word. God has a very high value on his word. He says that he has placed his word above his name. There's not very many people in the earth today that can say, I place my word above my name. When I say it, I'll do it. But God says, when I say it, I'll do it. I'll perform it. I'll make it happen. God has a lot of value in his word. It's valuable to him. And when you get in agreement with his word, it obligates him to now step out and move on your behalf. Look at, look at what he tells the disciples to do here. Verse 23. I say to you, whatever, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, physically, naturally speaking, what man on the face of this planet has the power to remove a mountain and throw it into the sea? Just physically, naturally speaking. Nobody. So ultimately, it would have to be God's power. But what Jesus is saying is when you speak like my father speaks, he will now operate on your behalf. And when you move your mouth, you move God. When you move your mouth, you move God. God is not obligated to, to move and operate in your life unless you're speaking his word. 
But when you begin to speak his word over your situation, and again, we said that you speak regardless of what you see. Let me give you a little nugget. When you see something the way God sees it, then you'll say what God says about it. Let me say that again. When you begin to see what God sees, then you'll say what God says. Case in point. Caleb and Joshua, we saw last week, they're the only two spies out of 12 that came back with a good report. Now, what the 10 spies said wasn't a lie, naturally speaking. It was a great land. It was flowing with milk and honey. There were giants in the land. It was inhabited by the Canaanites and the Jebusites and all the other ites that were living up in there. It was inhabited. It wasn't empty. But Caleb and Joshua decided to see the land the way God saw it, so they said what God said about it. They saw the land as theirs, even though somebody else was in ownership of it. They saw them, them, uh, themselves inhabiting the land and living inside of it, even though they knew they were going to have to defeat some enemies before they got up in that thing. But Joshua and Caleb decided to see what God saw, and in turn were able to say what God says. The ten spies, they did not see what God saw. And so they did not say what God says. If you're going to move mountains in your life, you're going to have to learn to be able to see things the way God sees them. If you're going to move a mountain of sickness in your life, you're going to have to see sickness the way God sees it. Eradicated, done, over with. His son has taken stripes on his back. You do not have to deal with it. If you're going to see finances the way God sees it, then, or if you're going to talk about finances the way God talks about them, then you're going to have to see them the way God sees them. That no matter what it looks like in the natural circumstance, in the natural situation, God already has more than enough coming your way. He's already blessed you. If you're going to look at depression the way God looks at it, then you're going to have to see uh, peace, not worry, not fear, not anxiety. He says that he's already given you peace that passes all understanding. And it will guard your heart and it will guard your mind. But you won't talk about uh, depression the way God talks about it if you don't see it the way God sees it. We got to get an agreement. It's not just... We spit out whatever we want to say, and if it's not in agreement with God's word, he's going to do it anyways. It doesn't work that way. But when you get in agreement with God, he is obligated to show up and operate on your behalf. That is awesome, because nobody in here is able to just take care of finances like that. Nobody in here is able to get rid of uh, sickness and disease and death like that. Nobody in here is able to just come out of depression and anxiety and worry like that. No, you need God to remove that thing. But what do we got to do? Speak to the mountain. 
we're obligated to talk to it. We're obligated to move our mouth, and when you move your mouth, it moves God. Wow, that's exciting. That's exciting to know that if I can learn God's word, if I can get in God's word and speak what he says about it and see how he sees it, then he's going to show up on my behalf and take care of the situation. There's nothing I can do, naturally speaking, to get that job that I know God has blessed me with. But if I can speak to the mountain, God's now going to show up and he's going to remove the mountain. It's his power, not our power. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. Well, how do I get his spirit to work? Say it like he says it. Get in agreement with his word. How do you get in agreement with God's word? Learn what it says. That's why he told Joshua, if you want to be successful, meditate on my word day and night. Don't go to the right or to the left. Stay, follow my commands, obey what I say to do. Why? Because then your way will be made prosperous. Then you will be full of success. He didn't say, go and, uh, you know, marry a rich girl. He didn't say, go and find a good job and then you'll be successful. He didn't say, if you defeat some of these uh, enemies that are before you, then you'll be successful. He didn't say, you know, start a, start a good business and you'll become prosperous. No, what did he say? Meditate on my word. Because if you can get in agreement with my word, then I will move, I will step in, and I will take care of everything that's in your way. What, is that, what does that mountain symbolize? We've all got mountains. What do those giants symbolize? We've all got giants. It's something that's in between you and where God has told you to be. And you have to remove this to get to that. But God has left us the responsibility of speaking his word, not our words. Our words won't do nothing. But when we can get an agreement with God's words, speak what he says. He says here that the mountain will be removed and cast into the sea. Hallelujah. That's powerful. Look at Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. In fact, I just want to look at this in the Amplified. Let's just read this in the Amplified. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. This is what God says about his words. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect, useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Why am I showing you this? This is what you're getting in agreement with. Do you realize that when you get in agreement with God's word, it, it will accomplish what he pleases and has purposed, and it will prosper in the thing for which he, which he sent it. That's how powerful his word is. It will come to pass. If we can get in the habit of speaking his words instead of our words. See, when God has you speak something, he's going to have you talk about it. 
He's going to have you talk about what you want to see before you see it. Your words only talk about what you see. See, this is how the kingdom operates. The kingdom, uh, God said that the just shall live by faith. Well, what's faith? Faith is believing in what you cannot see. If we're going to be kingdom people, if we're going to be faith people, we're going to have to start to talk about stuff that we don't see yet. You're just going to have to get in the habit of looking crazy, looking stupid. You're going to have to get in the habit of looking at something and say, that's not what I'm looking for. I need it to look like this. So this is what I'm going to say it looks like. That's faith. And God says, he promises that if you'll get in agreement with my word, if you'll get in agreement with what I'm saying, my words will accomplish that that I send it out to do. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. Look at this in the Amplified real quick. You have seen well, for I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. Watch this. If you're not speaking his word, you're not giving anything for him to, to perform. He's watching over his word, not your words. He's watching over his word to perform it. If you're not speaking his words, you're not giving anything for him to act or perform on. So we've got to speak his words. We've got to get in agreement with what God has already said. He says, I am alert and active. This is God. This is a picture you should have of God. He's up here ready. He's waiting. Just speak my word. Just, I dare you, speak my word and I'm going to do it. Speak it. Just say it. Just say it. Don't say what it looks like. Say what I told you it looks like. Say what I told you it's going to be. Talk about that sickness the way I talk about it. Talk about those finances the way I talk about it. Talk about that job the way I talk about it. Talk about your children the way I talk about your children. Talk about your marriage the way I talk about your marriage. Talk about that thing that you've been battling with, that addiction. Talk about it the way I talk about it. And he's just sitting there waiting. He's just sitting on ready. And the second you speak his word, he's ready to go and perform it. That's the picture you should have of your God. Well, that puts us in a different position. That puts me in a position where I never want to say anything but what he says. Because every time you say what you want to say, God is inching back on his seat. Saying, I can't do anything. In essence, you're tying his hands behind his back. I can't control God. I can't tell God what to do. No, you can't tell God what to do. But let me tell you something. God has so much value in his own words that he won't do anything except what he's already said. God cannot break a promise. So if he says... I am ready to perform my word. Then he's waiting to perform his word. But he's performing his word. Our goal in life with the words that are coming out of our mouth should be, Father, may everything that I say 
agree and line up with what you have already said. And the second you say something that's not in agreement, Father, forgive me for not being in agreement with your word. God saw it as a direct rebellion when his people would only speak what they saw and not speak what he said. He saw it as rebellious. He was ready to burn up the whole nation, and Moses had to step in and stop him. Moses had to step in and intercede and stand in the gap for the nation of Israel because God was so upset. It does not please God when you disagree with his word. What pleases God? Hebrews eleven six says that if you will live by faith, you'll please him. It is impossible to please God without faith. That's what Hebrews eleven six says. He is not pleased when we say something that's not in alignment. So when that happens, we need to say, Father, forgive me for not speaking in alignment with your word and then speak in alignment with his word. Doesn't matter if you and your husband just had the biggest fight of your life. You're going to speak in alignment with his word and you're going to speak life, not death. I can't believe he do that. I'm leaving. This marriage is over. This thing's never going to work. Or you can speak life into the situation. Remember what James said? Out of the same mouth come blessings and cursings. Out of the same mouth. So we've got to make the choice to speak blessings, not cursings. Now this word agreement, this word agreement means in harmony with. In harmony with. We talked about our words being the soundtrack of our life. Now, I, I play an instrument. I play the drums. And I've played on several bands. I've, I've been in several groups. And I know how bad it sounds when one person is just off by the smallest note or the smallest key. But man, when you can get a harmony going, that's a beautiful sound. When we can get our words, when we can get our soundtrack in alignment with God's soundtrack and not be out of key, not be off note or off beat, but have the same tempo and have the same melody and have the same harmony as God does, can you imagine how beautiful that sound is? Look at this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, in the Amplified. Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, harmonize together, make a symphony together about whatever, anything and everything they may ask, it will come to pass and be done for them by my Father, where? In heaven. What you say on earth gets God to move in heaven. But what's the key? It's got to be in harmony. It's got to be in agreement. It's got to be the same thing as your goal in life is to father the words that come out of my mouth. 
the soundtrack that I'm creating, I want it to be in harmony. I want it to be in melody. I want it to be a perfect symphony. I want to make beautiful sound with, with your words. I want my words to be in agreement with your words. I want my sound to be the same as your sound. I want what's coming out of my mouth to be in alignment with what has already come out of your mouth. I want to speak by faith. I want to walk by faith. I want to live by faith. Now let me tell you something. When you get in agreement with God's word, you're going to be in disagreement with the world. You have to realize that. So if there are words that are trying to creep into your life that don't make a harmony, don't make a symphony, don't make a melody, you've got to learn to cut them off. You can't let those words continue to ring. You can't let those words continue to make a sound and make a noise in your life. You have to cut them out. If you're getting around something, if something that you're looking at is always producing negative and you're trying to speak positive, you've got to get rid of the negative so you can speak the positive, so you can speak in alignment with what God has already said. We have to learn to not only put a focus on speaking God's word, but we have to get rid of the words that are trying to get us off. When you're in a band or when you're in a symphony and there's music being made and somebody is off, they instantly stop everything to find out who is it that's off so we can correct it so we can get everything back in harmony. See, some of us have been letting uh, 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 music play that's not in harmony with what we need to be saying. We've been letting it play in the background, and it's throwing us off, and it's getting us off key. It's getting our, it's messing up our melody. And now we're beginning to speak things that are not in harmony with God anymore because we're allowing things that are in disagreement with God's word to continue to play in the background. We've got to cut those things off. Being in agreement with God's word means you're going to be in disagreement with the world. When they say you're not going to make it, you're saying, I will make it. When they're, when they're saying that you won't have enough, you're saying, I have more than enough. When you're saying that uh, you're never going to be able to defeat that, you're going to say, I'm more than an overcomer through Christ Jesus. When they say you can't do it, you're going to say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. You've got to learn to speak a different symphony. You've got to learn to recognize those things that are in disagreement with God's word and shut them off and then speak in line with what God has to say. And that only becomes identifiable by getting in God's word. There's no other, there's no cookie cutter. There's, there's no easy way to it. There's no shortcut. The only way you're going to speak God's word is by meditating on God's word. J uh, Jesus said in John chapter 15, if you abide in me and I abide in you, there's got to be some abiding 
going on. There's got to be some making your home in. And you got to make your home in God's word. You got to abide in his word. You got to live in his word. You got to dwell in his word. You got to meditate on his word. You got to make it a part of your daily routine, daily practice. And then what happens? The word gets down in your spirit, then produces words of life, and then you're creating life. We've got to understand that what we're living, we've been creating. What you're living, you've been creating. And if you're tired of what you've been living, then let's get tired of what we've been saying. And let's start saying the right thing so we can start seeing the right thing. I don't know about you, but I want to say what God says because I want to see what God sees. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Father, your word is powerful. Your word is alive. And Father, I thank you that as we give attention to your word, live in your word, abide in your word, that it will perform for us, Father. It's going to create life for us, Father that we're going to see what you see because we're saying what you say. Father, forgive us for looking at situations in life just based upon what is actually naturally happening. But Father, we want to begin to look at life the way you look at it. We want to look at our bank account the way you look at it. We want to look at our uh, bodies the way you look at them. We We want to look at our marriages the way that you look. And we want to look at our children the way you see them. Father, help us see what you see. And help us say what you say. Father, I thank you for this word tonight. I thank you that it's been planted. It's been sown into good soil. As we meditate on this word, as we study it, as we uh, develop a lifestyle of being in your word, Father, it's going to produce a great crop, a great harvest. It's going to yield a great return in our lives in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.